Amen, sir. I'm going to be giving Pastor George a break this week with all he's got to do with dealing with the building department and wrestling back and forth and all the prayer. So I'm going to give him a break again this week. And I'm going to be continuing in the book of Romans, and I'm going to Romans chapter 6. But first I had something very interesting that I read because I know that a lot of you have been wanting to change the, the way that you eat to eat healthier. So I found something that might help you here right on the internet. So you're, you're gonna like this one. This was statistics that were done. It says the Japanese eat very little fat and suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. Mexicans eat a lot of fat and suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. The Chinese drink very little wine and suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. Italians drink excessive amounts of wine and suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. Germans eat, drink beer and eat lots of sausages and fats and suffer fewer heart attacks than the British. So here's what they concluded. Eat and drink whatever you want. Apparently it's speaking English that kills you. <laughs> then people, people tell me I shouldn't eat too much stuff with preservatives. At my age, I need all the preservatives I can get. I don't know about you. Um, I'm, I'm so old, I was watching Jurassic Park last night, it was bringing back old memories. So, I, guess, I guess I better move on here, I'm getting those looks from the back. So, like in the other building, there's no one in the back, here you get those stairs every time I go off course. So I'm going to be going again to Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to start at verse 1. And this is written by Paul the Apostle. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? See, last week I was talking about how great and wonderful the grace of God is. That when we sin, there's forgiveness. That we walk in His love. And grace is so great. So what Paul is saying, well, what then? What, what are some people going to say? If grace is so wonderful, let's even sin more than before, and that way we'll get even more grace. That, and you know what? That's an, something that I hear some teachers teach today. There are teachers in the body of Christ that say, God doesn't see your sin. God doesn't care about your works. It doesn't matter what you do because there's grace, there's forgiveness. So that was, that's a, a lot of what you hear. I hear teachers that say, you don't have to confess your sins anymore. You don't need to repent. The Holy Spirit doesn't convict you when you do something wrong. You know what? I thank God for the gift that the Holy Spirit lets me know when I'm going off course. You know, that's a precious gift from God to keep you from wrecking your marriage, ruining your life, destroying your finances. You need to treasure that small boy. So the answer to that question, should we sin even more? Should we mess up even better than we did before? Because we want to release grace from heaven. And what does Paul say in verse 2? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized in his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will also certainly be united with him in a re resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And something make it clear in Galatians 2 verse 20. This is Pastor Miguel's favorite verse. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. See, a lot of you went through the baptismal class. How many of you have been baptized in water and you've gone through the class? Well, if you were in that class, what you, what you learn is just what you see here. You see, in baptism, the person being baptized goes under the water. And if we don't like you, you stay down a little longer. <laughs> I think that happened to a couple of you the last time. <laughs> you see what just happened? It looks nice and beautiful, right? We get all excited. This is a picture of death. This is a picture of the crucifixion of Jesus. When the person being baptized goes under the water, it's a symbol of death, death to the old self, to the person that you used to be. It doesn't exist anymore. In, in, in that some different versions in the Bible, they call it the sinful nature, the flesh, the old man. And I said last week, for those of you who were here, that we were born into sin. We are sinners, not just because of what we do, but because we inherited the sin of Adam. You know what that means? I didn't, nobody had to teach me how to sin. From the time I was a little kid, I could hit you with a block right in the head, and nobody showed me how to do it. I remember I was a little kid, I broke the window and blamed my sister, and she got, she got a spanking and I didn't care. Why? Because I was a born sinner. That came down through the generation, through Adam, down through my grandparents, my parents were sinners. I just inherited that nature. But when I received Jesus, I was born again, and there's the picture. You go under the water, and that, and that person I used to be no longer lives. But you might say, but I'm a good person. Why are you saying we're all sinners? Adam was a good person. He only sinned once. In his whole life, he did one bad thing, and because of that, he got kicked out of the Garden of Eden and got punished, and the whole world was punished because of him. Because if you want to come to God in your own righteousness, as your own good person, you better be perfect. You better not even fail once. Because he's a holy, he's a righteous God. And a sinner can't stand in his presence. That's why that old sinner I used to be, he had to die. Yeah. You see that? Right under the water, dead. Now for the kids here, I always got to qualify. Nobody is dying, nobody's being killed. I'm talking about the way that I used to be no longer exists. So I don't want to freak out all the kids thinking that we're killing people here. But here's the thing about God. He doesn't want to fix you. He's not out to fix your mess. He's not out to change you. He's out to kill you. That old sinner that you were. We need to die. <laughs> you, 
You see, the, the sinner I used to be, the loser, the reject, the hothead, that, that guy is gone. The, all the idiotic choices I made in my life. And I came up with some doozies, things that I could sit back and just regret for hours. But that person no longer lived. That person I used to be is dead, and that's true of anyone here, that you've got Jesus in your heart. You've been born again, and you are dead to that old person. That failure, the mess you made of your life, it's over, it's gone, it's dead. That's not you anymore. See, that's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel message isn't come to Jesus, but you're still a no-good sinner, but you're just saved by grace. The message of the gospel is that that old sinner you are is dead and gone. Amen. So not only are you dead going under the water, but you're buried going under the water. That means that I'm no longer a slave to sin. Up to the point I received Jesus, I had no choice. I would get angry. And I would try not to scream and yell. I would hold myself down and pour cold water on my head. But there's nothing I could do to keep that rage from coming out, from saying those nasty things. But when I received Jesus, I began to walk as a new creation, and now it's by His grace that I can walk without cursing you out. <laughs> Watch out, I might go back to the... <laughs> you know what that means? You know how people give the excuse, well, you know I sinned, I messed up, but I'm only human? You can't use that excuse anymore if you've got the Spirit of God living in you. You are not only human. You, you're a partaker of the divine nature. You are a reflection of the glory and power of God. You lost that excuse. You are not just human. You see, and being dead... It also means that I'm not a slave anymore to people's opinions or their demeaning comments or their offensive behavior. See, you could curse me out. You, you could try to trip me up. I'm dead to that. You know what I am? I'm a dead man walking. You, you can do anything you want. You could try to offend me. You could try to pull that old man back out of me. But I'm dead to your stuff. We even got to walk for that. Show him, Pastor Miguel. We got the dead man's walk. <laughs> See, that's how you do it right there. See, nobody can control you anymore. You don't have to react to everyone who tries to bring you down, who tries to rile you up, who tries to tempt you back into your old life. You're dead. You're walking around dead. You can't pull me back again. You can't get me to be who I'm not. Why? Because I'm dead. I'm walking around dead. I'm dead to the things of this world, to the temptations and the pleasures of this world. And why can I do that? Verse 11, it says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You see, I'm not just dead, but I'm alive in Him because... Thankfully, they don't keep you under the water too long. <laughs> if you're nice enough, eventually they will pull you out. And when you come up out of the water, it's a picture 
of the resurrection power of God. The old sinner you were goes under the water. And when you come up, you're giving a picture to the world that I am who God says that I am. I am alive in Him. I died to my old nature, but I have been resurrected with a new nature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. See, when, when, a, when a Christian dies, they leave this earth, they leave, their spirit leaves the earthly realm. So when a Christian dies, their body dies, but their spirit goes from one realm to the next. So if, if you're a Christian and you die, the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which means at the moment of death, I come into the presence of God. That's why when, as Christians, when we lose loved ones, or people close to us, and they, and they die in Christ, we're going to feel sad because we're gonna, it leaves a void. But at the same time, we can rejoice because they're passing into glory. They're going from this realm right into the next realm. And it's the same thing. The second that you give your life to Jesus, you, your spirit passes from this realm into a new realm of life, eternal life. So, where you will live forever and ever with Christ. Even if you die today, you would know for sure that you're going to live forever to be in His presence. That's what we call eternal life. Amen. You see, as a new creation, you are not just a continuation of who you used to be. But what does the scripture says about who you are? The scripture says as a new creation that you are beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the apple of God's eye. That you are his treasured possession. That you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. You are chosen. You are holy and blameless before God. You are a child of the Most High King. That's you as a new creation. You've got to start seeing yourself differently. One reason why you keep getting pulled back in the same old patterns, the same old mess, you can't break free, is because you still you see yourself as that old failure. That good for nothing, that reach it. That's not who you are now in Christ Jesus. You have come up out of the water as a new creature, a new creation. Loved by God, powerful and overcomer. Are you going to listen to Jesus who laid down his life for you? Or some jerk from your past? Whose opinion are you going to listen to? I remember um, my mother, before she died, she spent years as an alcoholic. She was totally rejected by my family because of the way she acted, the way she dressed. She would go to weddings and, and, and act crazy and end up passed out. So she had a reputation as someone that nobody wanted anything to do with. But the moment she received Jesus just before she died, that old drunk, that old sinner died right on the spot and she became a creation. She became the holiness of God. That's a powerful picture in an instant. 
She went from somebody who, who nobody could stand her, and to this day, people in my family, I don't even know most of them because of that. Because of all the things and her reputation. But her reputation died in a second. She could, she could get up and stand before a holy God, even though she had taken a drink five minutes before. Even though she was drunk right the day before. On that day, when she received Jesus, she became a woman of holiness, a new creation. That's how you need to start seeing yourself. Not as that old failure, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna mess up again. No, you're not going to mess up again. You've got the power of God in you to stand strong. Verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, some people think because we're not under the law, that means, well, I could just do anything that I want to. I don't have to follow Jesus' commandments or his ways. That's not what it's saying. See, in the Old Testament, even though there was some grace, for the most part, they handed you a book with about 600 rules in it and say, here, you keep these rules. Take this book and do anything that's in it. And down in verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? You messed up, you were done. Like Adam, he sinned once, yeah, you're out. In the Old Testament, if there was a teenager and they rebelled against their parents, they didn't just send them to sit in the corner if they were old enough, a teenager. They would take them outside the city gates and if they were found guilty, they were to be stoned to death. See, that's, that's the, the penalty. The wages of sin, that's the curse of the law. If I want to be justified before God because of how good I am and how good I can keep the commandments, I better be perfect at it because one mess and I'm going to get stoned. See, sin is a serious thing in the Old Testament. But the next part of that verse, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, he not only died for me, but he died as me. All those rotten things I did before I was a Christian, the times I, I went to jail, all the sins, everyone I messed up, I cursed out. Jesus hung upon the cross and he got punished for what I did. He died as me. He took the punishment for my sin. And now I can stand before God. I can lift up holy hands before Him because of His grace. That's why you can worship Him. Maybe, maybe you messed up a lot, but you can come to church and you could wave your hand before God and the scripture says He will receive you because He has made you holy and He's given you the ability to live for Him. Here's a scripture from Dr. Paul Ellis. When you fall in love with Jesus, you will fall out of love with sin. I, I don't live for God. I, I don't stop beating people and cursing people out just because there's a law. I do it because I, I don't want to hurt the one who loves me. I want to give my life to su such a person who is willing to die for me. See, there's a scripture in Hebrews 12 that I believe really explains the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 18. And the first, it shows you the difference between Mount Sinai 
Mount Sinai symbolizes the law. That's when God came down and gave the Ten Commandments. And the other place was Mount, si was Mount Zion symbolizing the presence of Jesus. You see, in Exodus 19, God told Moses, he says, I'm coming down and I'm going to give you a law. I'm going to give you a Ten Commandments. But God said, I am a holy God. And you tell your people to stay away from that mountain. Because those people, they are sinners. And the scripture said, if they even touched the mountain, they had to be stoned to death. And there was lightning and thunder and trumpet blasts. And people were in fear at the holy presence of God. And what is Hebrew 12, 18? You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, he must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. That's not you. You didn't come to that mountain. If you're afraid to come to God, if you think God is mostly angry at you and he's ready to strike you down, you're going to the wrong mountain. You're, trying to, you're, you're judging your life by the law. Verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of, a of Abel. See, when you come to God under the law, you come in shame. You come feeling condemned. That's the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, there is a new covenant. And I come to a place of joy. I come to a place where thousands of angels are gathered and I'm welcomed in. You are welcomed into the presence of God. Not because you're perfect, but because you have been made holy. You have been what we call sanctified, another fancy word. But it means you have been set apart by God. You've been chosen, taken out of this world. And God made you holy so you could serve him. You, you are holy. You, are, you live in the purity of heaven. You are, you are not an unrighteous sinner. Even in your failure, even in your mess, the script Jesus said, I will not turn you away because my arms are open wide to you. He says, welcome to my world. Amen. You are welcome in the presence of God. Amen. See, that's the good news of the gospel. Your names are written in heaven. You have been made righteous and perfect. And here's a part I want to emphasize. And you've come to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. i got to explain this. How many of you remember the Old Testament? There were two brothers. This was all the way in the beginning of the Old Testament. Their names was Cain and Abel. Both of them brought a sacrifice to God. But the sacrifice that Cain brought was not received. It wasn't satisfactory. Do you know why he didn't bring Cain didn't bring a satisfactory sacrifice to God? No, because he wasn't able, duh. Mr. <laughs> George, you gotta start teaching this stuff. <laughs> 
so Cain got jealous. He says, why does God accept my brother's sacrifice and not mine? And what did he do? He killed Abel. There was an injustice. And his blood was spilled into the ground. And it tells us in Hebrews 11 that even to this day, the blood of Abel still cries out from the ground. And what does it cry out? Judgment. Vengeance. Justice. See, everything that you've done wrong in your life, the blood cries out against you. But it says here that the blood of Jesus speaks a better message. And what's the message of Jesus? Mercy. Love. You see, mercy triumphs over judgment. That's why I'm not under the law. I don't stand here condemned. I'm far from perfect. I've messed up many times, even as a pastor. But I can still stand before God because I don't come to Him in my own righteousness. I don't come to Him with a list of how I kept all the laws. Well, I didn't lie. I, did, I, did, I didn't bear false witness. I didn't hurt anyone. I can't do that. I'll, I'll be in trouble if I come with that list. I come to Jesus based on His blood and I say, thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. And that same blood helps me to stand against all my desires to do wrong. It's not okay. Sin is not okay. It matters how you treat people. It matters how you talk to someone. But as a new creation, I have the power to live righteously before God. And when I fail, the scripture says, I have a lawyer in heaven, and he stands up for me. And his name is Jesus. So I'm going to ask if you could start to serve the communion. And I want to, and when you get the elements of the communion, just hold on to it. In the meantime, I want, I want to introduce you to another dead man walking, so I'm going to ask Manny to come. And Manny's going to tell you about that old man that died and what God's done in his life. Good afternoon, church. So I'm kind of glad that I didn't really prepare a speech. When I was asked to testify today, I was thinking that I've sat where a lot of you are sitting right now, and I've heard some powerful testimonies, and I was like, man, I, I haven't walked nearly half of what a, a lot of you have walked through. But I think I was just being selfish because our storms, each of our storms are our storms, no matter how serious we see them. I may think that my storm is not as serious as yours, but when in fact it really is. So the first thing I want to say is that I, I stand here in the midst of my storm. I'm not perfect and I'm going through stuff like a lot of you are going and you're not alone. If you're sitting there right now thinking or feeling that you're alone, you're not. So I want to thank the Lord for an opportunity to be here before you. I was thinking that um, sometimes it can be a little bit, you can feel nervous or you can feel some type of fear to stand before people. But I'm reminded that I was not given a spirit of fear. So I'm here and I'm thankful for that. And hopefully the Holy Spirit is going to speak through me today. And it's going to minister to someone about who I was before Christ and who I am right now. And Pastor Gary, man, he just like gave me so much confirmation in what he spoke about. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, whatever you want them to hear from me, just let it come out naturally. I don't want to read off of a piece of paper. Uh, some of you already know me. Some of you know me from Crossroads Tabernacle. Some of you know me from social media. And I'm not here to put anybody on blast, by the way. I'm just here to, to testify. And I'm thankful for that. So, who I was before Christ was somebody who was... Uh, I was never a bad person. But I remember thinking that, you know, I don't care what anybody says about me. I don't care what anybody feels about me. Because nobody's paying my rent or nobody's paying my bills. 
and I used to be absent-minded, kind of selfish in a way like, okay, I'm gonna do what I, I'm gonna say what I need to say, even if it hurts someone, because I used to think that, you know, well, it's better to tell the truth than to not, than to, to hold in a lie. But um, I, I realized at some point that that's not true, that we have to be accountable. We, ha we have to care about what we say. You know, like he was just saying before, sin, sin is not good. You know, what we say to people, how we say it to people is, is very important. And what I learned in my transition and in my process is that what he said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we are a new creation in Christ. I remember that I used to try to better myself, be a better person. When, in fact, I was just getting in God's way. God's God was telling me, I'm not trying to make you better. I'm trying to make you new. If you read my word, my word is saying you are a new creation in Christ. When you submit yourself. So that dead man that he's talking about that was walking. If I would just submit to stop trying to make myself better. When, in fact, just allow God to make me a new creation. Then I would be able to walk this walk like God wants us to walk. God asked us in uh, Deuteronomy. 11 to just just love the Lord love the Lord walk in his ways and just submit to trusting in God and this is what I'm doing I'm not a perfect person um, I'm, I'm far from it you know but I, I love where I am in Christ today I love this new creation that God is still doing in me because I also recognize that that's going to happen until our day of glory you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be transitioned overnight just because I say, well, God, here, take my life. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen until I'm standing before the Lord and until he welcomes me in. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay because that allows me to accept that I'm going to make mistakes and I don't have to be embarrassed about it. I don't have to feel any shame because I wasn't perfect. Or you thought I was perfect and then I made a mistake and, you know, now I got to make some excuse for it. But no, I'm not. So I thank the Lord for who I am. I thank the Lord that I am a dead man walking. What a reference. Wow, that's so powerful and profound to even think about that. That, that I submitted to letting go of a life that, that I thought was the life that I wanted, the life that I planned. When in fact God was saying, no, this is, I have something else for you. And, I'm, and if you just submit to it. Just allow me to do what I want to do for you, what I've always wanted to do with you, and go with that. And wow, you know, um, this new creation. I think the, the the biggest focus I wanna I wanna just leave here with is saying that, or just reminding that God is not in the the business of making us better. He's in the business of making us new. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Did you know how to do the walk? No, I don't know how to oh, do that. <laughs> that's, that's the old me. Oh, we're going to have lessons right after church. But I'm going to ask, um, is Josh back there? And I'm going to ask also if Pastor Bird and Alice, if you could just come and stand to the side. And before we do the communion, I just want to give an invitation. And maybe you're here today, and you haven't, you haven't done what we saw the picture of. I don't mean being baptized. I mean you've never died to that old person you used to be and given your life to Jesus. Or, or maybe you've been walking, coming to church. But that old man is still there. That old man keeps taking over. I, I just asked them to come up because I just want to invite you, if there's anyone here, just to come and stand and take communion together with them as a sign that, that, that for of a new beginning for you today in Christ. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand for communion. And if there's anyone here and you want to make a new commitment to the Lord in your walk, or you want to give your heart to Christ, 
Or you're saying, I'm ready to get serious today. And I'm going to defeat that old person I used to be. I'm just going to invite you just to come stand with them. You don't have to say anything. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to take the bread right now. The bread represents the broken body of Jesus. See, he was whipped. He, his body was broken. Nails were put in his hands. And the only reason it happened was because that's what we deserved. The wages of sin was death. We deserved to be whipped and beaten and hung on a cross. <coughs> How many of you are thankful that he took your place today? So that you can have life. So that you could live. Can you see today the power of the cross? Can you see it in the pictures of the baptisms? Those who are dying to their own ways and coming alive to God? <coughs> Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because sometimes we forget the price that was paid. Sometimes we forget what's available to us. Because of his death, there's healing. There's life. So I'm going to ask um, Josh if you can just thank God for the broken body of Jesus. Father God, I just thank you for what you did for us on the cross, Lord God. I thank you that you took on all our sin, Lord God, all our all our confusion, all our doubts, all our frustrations, Lord, you took that all on you, Lord God. And you were broken for us, Lord God. So, Lord, in remembrance of you, Lord God, for what you have done for us, Lord God, that we can trust and rely on you on everything, for everything, Lord God. We take this bread in your name, Lord God, in remembrance of your name, of Jesus. ask you now to hold the cup. I was speaking into the cup. <laughs> oh, only me. <laughs> this cup symbolizes the blood of Jesus. Again, it sounds nice. It means death. It meant that God himself came down from heaven out of the place of paradise to be born among sinful people and to take on human flesh and to die in our place. And what did the scripture say? Every one of us in the same way needs to die. It's a privilege to give up what I can't keep. I want to give it all to Him. I want to live for Him. How many of you are saying that today? I want to live to God. I want Him to be the reason that I live. I don't want to take this sacrifice lightly. See, His blood cleanses us from all sin from all unrighteousness. Let the blood of Jesus right now, let, let it cleanse your mind, your heart. You have been made new. You've been made clean before Him. You are beautiful in His sight. You are precious to Him. And it's all because you love His sacrifice because you received the blood. So I just take this blood and I plead it over your life in Jesus' name. So I'm going to ask um, if Pastor's Bird and Alice if you could just each thank God for the blood. Señor, te damos gracias por esta sangre derramada en la cruz por nosotros, Padre. Te damos gracias por ese sacrificio perfecto que nosotros ahora no necesitamos que sacrificar Padre tú lo hiciste por nosotros Señor te damos gracias porque tú 
cogiste esa cruz y, y en tu espalda, Señor, la, la cargaste para librarnos a nosotros de nuestros pecados, Padre. Señor, este vino representa el sacrificio perfecto de tu, tu amor. Y te damos gracias por eso, Padre, en esta mañana. Praise the Lord. Lord, we drink this, dear God, in remembrance of you, dear God. Remembering the sacrifice, dear Lord, and thanking you for the power that we have in that blood, dear God. Power over sin, power over sickness, dear God. And we take this, dear God, in victory, knowing, dear God, that you won the battle. You won the war, dear God. And we thank you for that, dear Lord. And we praise your name, dear Lord. And I personally, dear Lord, thank you because when you shed that blood, dear God, without even knowing me, dear God, you shed it for my sins, for my mistakes, for my screw-ups, dear God. And you forgave me, you healed me, you redeemed me. And I thank you for that, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's partake of the precious blood of Jesus, symbolizing his blood. Esther Bird, I didn't know you spoke in tongues. <laughs> the worship team we're gonna close I was waiting for something from him <laughs> but I want to pray for you father we thank you Lord God we thank you that you are greater than our sin you are greater than our failure greater than our past oh God just worship you. We give you thanksgiving. We thank you, Lord God, that we, we are not hopeless sinners. We are not good for nothings. We are not rejects or failures, Lord God. But we are remade in your image. So I just bless every one of you today. I bless you with that knowledge of who you are. You are not what some ex-husband or, or an ex-girlfriend told you you are. That person is gone. They're dead. You, are, you carry the very essence of heaven in you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are precious and holy to the Most High God. So can we just begin to praise Him? Can we just end in worshiping the God, the God who gave his life, the one who saved us, the one who loved us when no one else did? We worship you, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Just stay right there. Just stay in the same spirit. Just leave with the worship and the hearts. You know this song, the chorus of the song, just sing it with us. All I need is you alone. Know.
children in this place just lift your hands. Father, we thank you, Lord. Because indeed you're all that we need, all that we've ever wanted, Lord. Father, we searched high and low in different things and people, Father, but we, we couldn't find what we really needed. And then you introduced yourself to us, oh God. And we knew right then and there you were what we needed to make us whole, oh God. Father, you were what we were searching for in things and in people, Father. You were the substance, Father. You were what we needed, oh God. And today, even as we remember, Father, what you did, oh God, so long ago on the cross, that is still so relevant right now in our lives, Father, we thank you and we are grateful, oh God, that we can still rely on that blood, oh God, that is always powerful, oh God. And we thank you for your promises, Father, that you've made to us, Lord, that we can walk on these promises, oh God, because there is a hope, Father, that we run to, and that hope is you, Lord. So we leave this place, oh God, singing in our hearts, Lord, all we need is you, because you are indeed all we need, Lord. Father, I pray for, for the Cuevas family today, Lord, I even pray for... But Sister Daisy and her family, Lord, they, they've lost loved ones, oh God. And, and sometimes that grief can become overwhelming, Father. But right now, Father, as a congregation, Father, we ask, Lord, that you would just cover them in your love and your peace. Even as we go, Father, to, to just spend time with them, oh God, I pray that you would just usher in such an atmosphere of, of peace and love, Lord. Father, that this maybe not easy father but they would be able to stand even in this trial even in this situation oh god we love you lord you're all we need we are blessed so that we can be a blessing you guys have a wonderful week god bless you